and what he's confirming to the congregation. One of my dearest, dearest friends, and I didn't have him because he's a dear friend. I have him because he's a man of God. I can trust him with this pulpit. He's proven himself to be a great leader, a great man of God with a great anointing. The pastor's a great church in Hurricane, West Virginia. Me and him become acquainted several years ago. He's kind of one of my, I guess, dearest, dearest friends that we call and share with one another from time to time of the different things we need to just adhere to, just listen to us. And many times the Holy Spirit's used him to speak to my life. Many, many times he's given me rhema words. And um, every once in a while we'll get to talking about what we've been preaching on. We'll get plumb happy over the phone. But it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have with us tonight, today. Brian Matthews, would you welcome him to the pulpit? Come on, let's give Jesus a cheer this morning. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. Praise God. It is a high honor to be here today with you. To, uh, it's always a great joy of mine to come to the palace and to be able to share the word of the Lord with you and uh, to be with your lead pastors. And uh, as he has stated, he's one of my very best friends and we appreciate him and uh, his beautiful wife um, that they, and the vision that they have. I talked to my church last week about vision and culture, and I said to them that culture trumps vision because you can have vision, but if you don't have a culture to produce the vision, then the vision will never come to pass. And it is great joy and an honor to be able to come into a house where the culture has been created, where the vision can come to pass. Amen. And uh, you ought to thank God every day for your pastors and the leadership and the vision of this house. And, and he and I was uh, out eating last night and he was bragging on the staff and, and I won't call any names because I won't remember somebody and I don't want nobody to get mad at me. I can do that without doing it on purpose. Amen. But uh, you have a wonderful, I don't have to tell you that, but you have a wonderful leadership here. And can you give God praise for the leadership of this house? I believe that we are in a season. I just want to share with you today and hope that I can make some sense out of some things that are in my heart and uh, the help of the Holy Spirit before we leave here today. But I believe that we are in a transitional shift in the kingdom of God. There's some things that are taking place. I believe that we're in the throes of the scripture that whatever can be shaken shall be shaken so that that cannot be shaken shall remain. I believe that in this season that we are in and the time calendar of God, I, I don't believe goes on our time calendar. I believe that years and dates as far as our calendar is concerned is for us to be able to, to uh, restart, reconnect, and it's good to have those fresh starts at the new year and, and all of that. But I believe that God has a time calendar and, and we're on it and we may not fully understand it, but I believe that we're in a season where that God is shifting and there's transitional shifts that are taking place 
in the body of Christ as well as the world. And whenever I begin to think about these things, not only in the church world, but in the, our, our world as a whole, I begin to realize and understand that in this, uh, in this year, they say that over half of the world leadership is up to be uh, elected or voted on. And so there could quite possibly be a great change and a shift, not only in America, but around the world. And I, I sense that whatever's going on in the natural is only a representation of a deeper move of what God is doing in the spirit. And so I want to share with you some things here today uh, with that thought and that heart in mind. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 13, it says, So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of a cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down the altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left and they seek my, to, to take my life. And the Lord said to him, go return on to your the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive anoint Hazel as king over Syria and anoint Jehu the son of uh, Nimshah as king over Israel and Elisha the son of Saphath uh, you shall anoint as prophet in your place and then I want to look at a scripture here in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 the Bible said but Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice it says, teach those things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, tempered, sound in faith, and in charity, in patience. Have you ever heard pastor or somebody speak the word of God and whenever it was first preached, it didn't line up with your theology? It didn't line up with your teaching what you had been taught all of your life and you wrestled with that and maybe you even made the statement out loud that isn't true but the more that you studied it the more that you pondered on it the more that you read the word of the Lord you come to a realization that it wasn't the pastor that was wrong it was your teaching that had become wrong and it become sound doctrine that's what uh, teaching does. It, it, we teach something until it becomes sound doctrine. Uh, example of that is healing. You know, people didn't believe that you could be healed, but somebody was brave enough to teach on divine healing until it became sound doctrine. The, the prosperity doctrine, people say, well, you know, that this, that, and the other. But it, we come to an understanding that God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And so these are the first things that were taught in the body of Christ, things that at first were not sound doctrine, but the more word that was placed on it, the more that it was spoken upon, it became a sound doctrine in which we built the, the kingdom of God on. In verse 3 it says, And the aged women likewise, that they will be uh, in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things, 
that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. The older women teach the younger. I believe that God is raising up a generation today. He is, there is a, an emergent in the body of Christ and the old religious system that has no insight, it has no vision uh, of the future, it is dead. Just because something doesn't know it's dead doesn't mean it's not dead. My grandfather died and my grandmother kept his clothes in the closet. They, she kept her, her, his car in the driveway, which she could not drive. And she kept everything uh, as if it were that he was coming home from a long uh, vacation somewhere. She had been to the funeral herself, but it was as though that if she could keep everything as it were, that somehow or another he would still be well. And I believe that is what we have done with the religious system of the day. It is not dying, it is already dead. But we have propped it up, we have held it up, and we have tried to maintain it and make it to appear as though that it is still something that is alive. But I'm here today to tell you that the religious system of days gone by is not going to die, it is already dead. And God is doing something in this season. He is shifting the kingdom of God and preparing us for a harvest that he has always promised his church. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 40, it said, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus and he was the ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house for he had only one daughter about 12 years old of age and she was lay at dying and but as he went people thronged him notice this man only has one daughter she is 12 years old Jairus his name means enlightened one Jairus has a revelation that will turn the heart of the what will turn the heart of the king is worship and so he goes and he worships Jesus and bows at his feet and even though that Jesus would not pay any attention to any of the other people that were there that day it was Jairus's revelation that what I need to do if I want to get Jesus's attention is to worship him and he bowed down and began to worship him and even though the people were thronging him it was Jairus that was so desperate to get this one daughter healed that he said it doesn't matter if anybody else is worshiping or not I've got a revelation Revelation that what to get what I need I must humble myself before the mighty hand of God and worship him and when I do he's going to be able to accomplish what I need to be accomplished in my life amen 
You see, the scripture tells us and is very clear that this girl is 12 years old. 12 is a governmental number. 12 is a kingdom number. And I believe that there was a really a little girl that was 12 years old. I believe that literally there was a Jairus and he was real and this is a real story. But I also believe that in speaking this, that he is speaking more than just about a little girl and he is speaking more than just about an old woman. She is 12 years old and she is entering into her time of becoming fruitful and fruit, fruitful. And she is at a critical age of her life and she find, they find her dying. 12 years old and she, to me, she is representing another generation that is waiting in the manifestation of the kingdom of God. One that is about to be fruitful and begin to reproduce in the body of Christ. Christ, and yet she is at the place of death. She is at the age of fruitfulness and Jesus is on his way to her, but he can't get to her because the crowd is in the way. And we see here in verse 43, the Bible says that a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all that she had on physicians and never got better, but he came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately immediately her blood stopped right this is what I want you to see this man is desperate and his 12 year old girl is dying at his house and he is leading Jesus over to his house and everything is going good when suddenly this old woman comes up from behind him and touches the hem of his garment and stops the procession right in the middle have you ever felt like that you were on the brink of your miracle yet you was about to have a significant breakthrough in your life and just before you got that somebody else stepped in and got their miracle got their blessing well I want to tell you the good gospel news this morning is this just because somebody else gets their miracle and their blessing before you isn't going to stop you from receiving what God has in store for you what we have to do is learn how to celebrate somebody else's miracle because what God has done for others, he's about to do for you. Can you give him praise here this morning? The last thing you need when you're desperate is for someone else to get the attention in the middle of your miracle. But I have, whenever we look at this, we see that Jesus has enough miracles for everybody. And he knows that even though that, that Jairus, I'm sure he was upset. My only daughter's dying over here and you're stopping and this old woman has got his attention. But this old woman has been sick for as long as as this girl has been alive she has been sick for 12 years this girl has been born for 12 years and let me propose to you today a what if what if this old woman represents the church and it is and what if this little girl represents a generation a harvest that is yet to come in amen could it be that the next generation can uh, has to, uh, cannot come in until the old generation gets here 
healed. God is bringing a cleansing. He is bringing a purification to the old woman, the church. He is causing there to that bleeding issues and the things that have stopped us in days gone by. He is bringing a healing in this season so that a harvest that has not yet been reached, that is dying over Jairus's house, that is dying around Poplar Bluff, that is dying around Saxton, these places, God is about to bring it in and before he brings it in, in his infinite wisdom and power, he says, I'm going to bring a healing to the church. I'm going to stop the bleeding. I'm going to stop the suffering. I'm going to stop the damage. So when I bring in this last day harvest, there's nothing going to stop the sovereign move of God, but it's going to be a flow until Jesus comes. You see, Jesus has enough wisdom to understand there's no need of bringing in a harvest if the old woman's still sick. Could it be that Jesus knows that in order for me to raise another generation up to reach a harvest, that I first got to take care of what's in the house? This old woman's not even supposed to be out. She's in a crowd illegally according to the law because she is, he is being thrown by the multitude of them and nobody can stop him because he is on a mission. But this one woman breaks the law and comes into public bleeding. She is not bleeding from her nose. She is bleeding from the point of intimacy. And the only thing that can stop her bleeding is a pregnancy. And could it be that the church is bleeding to death because it has not been willing to receive God's seed, the word of God, into our spiritual womb and become pregnant with the vision, the purpose, and the destiny of reaching another generation and raising it from the dead? The old woman is bleeding over issues and the next generation is at the point of death. And Jairus, the enlightened one says, I've got to do whatever it takes to give this man to my house. But Jesus knew that I first got to stop long enough to before I raise up another harvest, another generation, I've got to heal this old woman. Amen. There's nothing wrong with the organism called the church, but the organization is in a mess. And God is cleansing his church so that the harvest that is coming will have a healed and a whole culture to grow and possess the gates of their enemies. Amen. The message of the kingdom takes religion off of the throne and puts God back on the throne. And religion has been on the throne for so long that it doesn't want to relinquish the throne to the king. But the crowd could not stop and get the attention of this with this one illegal woman came to Jesus. Amen. What religious systems could not do, this woman with a passion was able to do. Amen. And got the attention of Jesus and it changed the trajectory of not only her life but another generation's life. You see, everyone was touching him but she drew something out of him. Amen. She drew something out 
out of him that would cause her life to be changed. I'm telling you, I'm glad you're here this morning. I know pastor is glad you're here, but I'm telling you, it's more than coming to church and going through the motions, but you've got to put a demand upon the anointing. You've got to put a demand upon the spirit of God and say, I've come here today with a spirit of expectation that my life will never be the same because it's not just about you. It's not just about your husband, your wife. It's about a generation that is yet coming behind you that we must see the manifestation of the power of God in this last day. Amen. He says the only one that I'm going to give the spotlight to is this one that no one thinks is qualified. Amen. <laughs> Can I tell you this morning, if it had been up to someone else, you would have never made it. If it had been up to someone else, you wouldn't have survived. If it had been up to someone else, you would have lost your mind. But you made it. I said you made it. Can I tell you the most powerful thing about you today is that you're still here. Amen. If the devil could have killed you, he'd have already taken you out. But you being in the house of the Lord this morning is a testimony against the devil. That greater is he that is in you than he that is coming. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, we divide over things that aren't really important. The enemy wants to get us our attention onto things that are not really important. But what is important? Well, Jairus means enlightened one. There is a generation that is being enlightened. Amen. The church of the living God is coming into a season of, of transformation, of power. And there is a generation that is rising. There is a new season that is coming into the church. Amen. You see, there's always three generations on the earth at the same time. There is one that is fading. There is one that is leading. And there is one that is coming. And Mary, you see, whenever Mary, to give you an example, when Mary got pregnant and was carrying Jesus, the Bible tells us that the Lord told Mary, said, you, you can't be hanging out with people your own age because they won't understand you. But you need to connect yourself with the older. You need to attach yourself to a Martha. And the Bible says that Mary sought the, her out and the younger saluted the elder. And when the younger saluted the elder, the Bible said what was in the elder began to leap. Amen. Some theologians suggest that perhaps she had never felt the baby leap. She had never felt no signs of life. But whenever the younger saluted the older, something supernatural took place. And what was on the inside of Martha began to leap. Praise God, you see, because they needed each other. Can I tell you today, generations need each other. The enemy wants to separate us, wants to divide us, but we need each other nudge your neighbor and say we need each other 
Mary needed Martha and Martha needed Mary because what was on the inside of Martha was going to prepare the way for what was on the inside of Mary. And if Mary, Mary did not learn how to honor and respect what was on the other side, what was in this older generation, then she would never be able to prepare the what was in her would never prepare the way for what was on the inside of her. Can I tell you today that we need everybody? You may be gray-headed today. You may not be running as fast as you used to run, but don't disrespect them because they still got something on the inside of them that the church of the living God needs today. They may not be running as loud. They may not be hollering as loud, but they've still got some authority. And whenever they pray, they shake the heavens and the earth. They declare the kingdom of God has come unto us. We need them in this season to rise up. Did you hear me, saints? I said we still need you in this hour to get a hold of the prayer horns of the altar and teach another generation how to pray the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done so that another generation can see the manifestation of God. You see, Mary... Mary was the younger and she saluted. Can I tell you today that you'll never go wrong with honor? I said you'll never go wrong with honor. We need each other. In 2 second, in second Kings chapter 9, we find this man by the name of Jehu. This one that in our text in 1 Kings, Elijah anoints him he is anointed to do what Elijah was scared to do Elijah could have done it because he was anointed to do it but it got fear in his heart I'm not here today to judge him or be critical of him because there's been seasons in my life when a spirit of fear has come I won't spend a long time about it, but I was in Nigeria. I was preaching. They come and they, they cut the tent down they, they, that we was preaching under, and, and, they, and I couldn't get, it was a mess. But anyways, I, I couldn't figure out. People weren't coming as they normally do, and they come and they, I, I said, what's going on here? They said, they didn't tell you. I said, tell me what? said, they killed three missionaries here last month for preaching the gospel. Thinking, man, well, you know, a man of faith and power, he said, bless God, we're here to take and do this. No, I fought that thing all night long. I thought, well, what am I going to do here now? Am I just going to go back home and say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. We had a wonderful trip. Are we going to go out there and preach the gospel? I struggled through it. But when the sun come up in the morning, I've determined, you see, it's easy to preach here where there's no threat. It's easy to talk about it where, where you're not under pressure. But I'm telling you, I've known what it was to be under pressure and say, am I just going to give in? Am I just going to say this is a wonderful trip? You know what I did? I woke up by the grace of God in the morning. I said, give me a bullhorn. And I went to the city streets and I started telling them about the goodness of God. Got some sick people around there. And by God's grace, he healed them. And I said, now we're going to have a crusade over here. You can come 
come over there and God gloriously filled that place with people and hundreds and hundreds of people were saved and delivered and set free. You see, I'm, what are you saying? I'm telling you today that it's easy for us to say, well, it was a fearful thing, but no, I understand where Elijah was. I understand that it isn't always easy and maybe you have heard from the Lord before but you got fear in your heart you was afraid to do what he called you to do but now we look and we see Elijah and he says I want you to go and anoint Jehu amen God called one of the sons of the prophets and told him to take the anointing oil and anoint Jehu to destroy Ahab's house Jehu was a man's man. He was bad to the bone. He was skilled with the bow. The Bible says that Jehoram came and asked him, you can read this in, in 2 Kings chapter 9, this story, but for the sake of time, I'll just tell it to you. But he tells him, he says, Jehoram comes and he asks him, have you come in peace? And Jehu says to him, there is no peace as long as your mother is working her witchcraft. He said, and when Jehoram turns and runs and in and, and, and his chariot, the Bible says that Jehu picks up his bow and he shoots him between the shoulder blades and it comes out his heart. He's a bad dude with a bow. The bow is his gift that he sharpened his skills to use. It was his gift, his skill that took out Jehoram. He had qualified, he had prepared himself, and now he uses his skill at an opportune time. You see, God has given us all giftings and skills that we can use. It's not just for us to make money, but it's for us to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. But Jezebel doesn't mess with you, with you as long as you're a nobody. It doesn't, this spirit doesn't mess with you until you get a name. Amen. It doesn't mess with you until you've accomplished something, until you've become a leader of something. It doesn't matter if it's at work, if it's a husband, if it's a wife, if it's a father, if, if it's public leader, a pastor or leader in the church. But when you awaken to the fact that you're a mighty man or woman of God, it is then that that spirit will come to destroy you. It will cause you to become tired, weary, fatigued, and and ring it out. It will bring a spirit of depression to overwhelm you and cause you to give up and even want to die. This spirit has taken out many mighty men and women of God but Jehu was anointed for it. Jehu was anointed to take it out and notice when he was very skilled and gifted but he did not rely on his gift when in skill when it came to Jezebel. Amen. It worked for him to take out Jehoram. Your gift and your skill can only take you so far. But you see, he was anointed to take out Ahab's house. 
And I want to tell you today that we are very gifted and very skilled and we need to take and hone our giftings and skills for the kingdom of God. But we do not rely upon our giftings and skills for everything that God has called us to do. We have to rely upon the anointing. Because Jehu was anointed to take Jezebel out. His skill and his gifting was different than the anointing. The skill and the gifting are to, to, uh, that God has given all of us and we practice them, we hone them, and we use them uh, to the most excellent way that we can. But the anointing is God's supernatural power that enables you to do what you cannot do in the natural. And and the problem today is most people don't know the difference between charisma and the anointing. But I want to tell you that you must depend upon the anointing for the mandate that is upon your life. David was just another a teenager. But when the anointing of the Lord came upon him, he would slay a bear. He would take out a lion. And he would destroy a giant in front of a nation. Without the anointing, Peter could not stand under the pressure and started cussing and couldn't even stand up to testify before a little girl but whenever that anointing came upon his life he would stand up before a nation and declare Jesus unto them amen you see with the anointing he can stand there without fear without reservation why because you're anointed for this Samson would go and he would tie uh, tie foxtail together he would go and take the city gates off and take them to the mountain with the anointing but without the anointing he would fall asleep in the lap of his enemy amen I'm telling you today that don't discredit the anointing because it is what we need in this season we need a fresh outpouring of the anointing of the Holy Ghost for us assignment that God has upon this last day church we must must have a fresh outpouring of his spirit to say kingdom of God come and will of God be done in my life I can't do it on my own my gifting my skill my talent my wisdom my ability is not enough I must have your anointing to be able to accomplish this task Jehu rolls into town with the same anointing that was on Elijah and calls for Jezebel. <laughs> she prettys herself up. She makes herself look good because she had seduced many other mighty men this way. But it didn't work for Jehu because he was anointed for this. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're anointed for this. You're anointed for this trial. You're anointed for this fight. You're anointed for this season. You're anointed for such a time as this. God has raised you up and he has anointed you. Many other people have gone down. Many other people have struggled. Many other people have given up in the midst, but you're anointed for this. And because he has anointed you, that's what's going to make the difference. Amen. He calls her Jezebel and to, for her to come and to the window. And she comes to the window and Jehu doesn't pull out his bow. 
It's interesting to me because, you know, we're just people that, that we rely on what has already worked. All this worked before. I sing kumbaya and it happened. So let's all sing kumbaya. Or I was standing like this or I was praying like that. And we tried to reproduce what worked before. But Jehu had some sense about him. He, he, he was anointed for this. And Jehu, if you would have been me and I'd have took a joker out on his chariot and I hit him right in the heart, with my, I'd say, I'm bad. I'm taking this woman out. Huh? Nobody else is like that. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> but Jehu... <laughs> Jacob says, hey, this ain't about my skill. This is not about my gift. This isn't about my talent. Jehu knew this wasn't about what he was able to do, but he knew he was anointed for this. Amen. In verse 32 of chapter 9, Jehu asked, who is on my side? In other words, I'm about to take this woman out. I know that other generations have tried it. I know other people have succumbed to her. I know that there's other people that thought they was going to do it, but said, I'm anointed for this. I'm going to take care of this thing today. Glory to God. And he said, who's with me? Who's on my side? And the most unlikely people showed up. Amen. The most unlikely two people showed up. The Bible said two or three eunuchs looked at him. The most unlikely ones to respond to the call was the ones that answered the call. The ones probably that you wouldn't want on your side. You ever remember in school whenever you picked up teams? And you always picked the ones that you thought could help you win. The ones that was most, these are not those people. These are the most unlikely. These are the most unexpected. These are the unqualified. Amen. You see, I, I, quali I come to understand that because they told me many years ago that whatever you do, you'll never make it preaching. You just do whatever. And, and I went to Bible school pastor and, and I went into Dr. P's office and Dr. P's told me, he said, well, you're not going to make it. You just need to try to get you another job you need to try to think about another career in life and I thought to myself you're Dr. Pease if I can make it to beans I'm better than that I gathered up and they told me they said you can stay here to the end of the semester I thought to myself they ain't no need in that I gathered up my stuff out of the dorm I put it in my Chevrolet truck and found my way back to the house and kept on praying kept because you see what they were looking at was my gifting and my skill but they didn't understand I was anointed for this and 40 years later I'm still preaching the gospel amen seeing people healed saved delivered filled with the Holy Ghost I'm telling you today you may be in I haven't come to preach to everybody today but I've come from the clay hills of West Virginia to tell somebody in Poplar Bluff that you feel like you're unqualified you feel like you're unlikely you feel like that you are unvaluable but God sent me today to tell you you're anointed for this amen the anointing of God stirred something on the inside of these two men that had not been awakened for years 
They had been, if you don't know what a eunuch is, that means they've been castrated. They, the ability to reproduce had been taken away from them. It means that they, whenever you castrate an animal, you're trying to take its boldness away. You tried to take its aggression away, where that it's non-aggressive. And that's what they, 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 they tried to do to these mighty men of God. You see, that's what the spirit of the day has done to the church. It's tried to take our aggression away, our boldness away, our authority away. And man, we're living in a season when the culture wants you to be a cute church on the backside of town. And as long as you keep it in inside the church and you don't reproduce anything and you just have safe church that's not producing the power and authority they don't have a problem with you but I've got news for the devil there's an emerging church that's coming out of the ashes that's going to rise and shine because the light has come and the power of God is upon this last day church to see signs and wonders and miracles we're not going to be the laughing stock of this world we're going to be everybody's going to know that our God reigns he has authority in heaven and in earth and these signs shall follow them that believe in his name you will cast out devils in his name you will speak with new tongues in his name you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover glory to God I'm telling you today you may feel like you're unlikely you may feel like you're unqualified but God has anointed you for this you see this Jezebel spirit is after the kingdom's authority the same spirit is alive and well today that's what it's all about that's what the fight is about it's not about your little peanut business. It's about if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's after to the foundation of Christendom. Amen. But let me tell you something. God has never left his church unqualified. He has never left us ill-equipped. He has always given us everything we need to win every battle. And the Bible said that Jehu comes and he, these two eunuchs come and look out the window and say, we're with you. It doesn't suggest that nobody else does. But now he looks at these two eunuchs, these two men that had been taken and tried to make them weaklings and wimps. But now the spirit of the was on Jehu has now got on them. <laughs> that same anointing that was on Jehu that same anointing that was on Elijah has now got on these men that felt inadequate had felt like that the enemy had tried to take them and cause them to be non-productive but now there's an anointing come into town I want to tell Poplar Bluff there's an anointing that's here there's a power that is here there's a fire of God that is upon this hillside and 
it's going to reach to the four corners of this region and the glory of God will not be able to be stopped. Why? Because God has anointed you for this. He is raising you up for such a time as this and as glorious it has been, God's about to show you the vision of this church is going to be fulfilled and the glory of God is going to be greater in the future than it's ever been in the past. Jehu says to them, throw her down. And with one anointed word from Jehu, those eunuchs got boldness to do what mighty men, mighty women. (laughs) Can I say it? Those eunuchs got a boldness. If I was to make it plain for today, those eunuchs did, those nobodies did what Jake's couldn't do. What whatever television preacher, whatever popular preacher, come on. Those people that everybody look at and say, oh, they're successful, but they weren't able to get the job done. Ah, but I want to tell you that God's got some people that the enemy tried to cause you to think that your prayers weren't being valued, that you were, you're seeking God and you being faithful to the house of God. It wasn't being productive. He caused you to think that everything you'd, you've been doing for the kingdom of God, you were not reproducing. But I come today to tell you the devil is a liar and that anointing that was upon Jehu got upon those eunuchs and what those mighty men of God could not do in days past these men walked up there and released that anointing and was able to do what these in the enemy thought was impossible to do I want to tell you today that there is a shift in the body of Christ thank God for leadership thank God for authority but God is going to use you he didn't say that he was going to use just his preacher just his pastor he said that he called you and that anointing that was upon this house will get on you and everything you see pastor do that anointing is upon you to save the get the lost saved to set the captive free to deliver those that are oppressed the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, and set at liberty them that are bruised this anointing is upon you for such a time as this in this season God is releasing a JQ anointing upon a generation that's been introduced to God through a sick religious system has been taught that God is a judge and never been taught that he is also gracious and good there's a generation that's coming that feel like spiritual eunuchs And that's who I've come to talk to today. You're tired of cute church. You're tired of coming to church that doesn't produce anything. And you are are ready and willing to respond to the anointing 
that God has brought. This has caused people to feel disqualified. They, they feel like that they, they're just like that spiritual eunuch and they'll never be able to reproduce. You may feel like a eunuch today, but I've come to tell you that you can live your greatest dream, the purpose of God that he has placed in your heart. He has also anointed you to do it. But whenever you rob men and women of God of the anointing that's upon their lives, they'll never see the fulfillment of what God has. But this season is a no season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing is coming our way. It's a season of power. It's one of victory. Amen. And don't spend don't be trying to put your confidence in your skill and your gifting, but receive the anointing that's upon this house. Walk in that anointing to your workplace, into your school. Walk in that anointing because it is that anointing that's going to change this region. I don't know who I've come to talk to today. I hope I've made some sense. I'm just sharing with you what's in my heart. But I hope that today that you understand. I've come to talk to some folks. It may not be but two or three. But God, he, he knows you so well. He wants your life to be transformed. But it's the anointing that you need. And I know that you may feel unqualified. I know that people may have said that you'll never be able to do it. But they did not count on is the anointing. Because the anointing is going to change everything. I said the anointing changes everything. The anointing changes everything. Thank God for your gifting, your talent, and your ability. But I'm telling you, God never called you to just sit in the church and just be cute and be nice and, and come and pray and sing and worship and listen to preaching. He came so you could reproduce in the kingdom of God. And you may feel like that you're inadequate and insufficient because you're not seeing that reproduction in your life. But I'm telling you, the Bible said that the sons of Iskar knew the times and the seasons they were in and knew what they ought to do. And if I'm hearing the word of the Lord clearly in my own heart, then I'm here today to tell you that it's a new season and you're about to be fruitful. You're about to be fruitful. Amen. Where the enemy has attacked you. Amen. Where the enemy has attacked you is going to be the most fruitful place you have ever had in your life. And you're going to see the fulfillment of God's anointing upon you in that place. Stand with me, please.